Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies Broadcast. It's season five, it's episode 15. The Baggies Broadcast sponsored by Adoption at Heart. My name is Luke Hatfield and I'm joined by a man who was too unwell to show up last week for a podcast recording. Mr. Joe Massey. Hello. How are you today? Um, are you better? Abs- absolutely fine, mate. Absolutely fine. Um, forgot about that, actually. I'd, 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 I'd have moved on from that because there's just so much going on. There's so <sighs> much going on. And we have got some... I normally hate the banter section, don't I, this podcast. Um, yeah. I don't think it's your best work, if I'm honest. Writing banter on a piece of paper and expecting us to be funny. But we have got some massive news, haven't we? Have we? We have got some absolutely massive news because... And I do say this with partly a heavy heart, but it all will become clear. This is your second to last Baggies broadcast. Luke Hatfield is leaving the Express and Star, is that right? It's true. I am departing the Express and Star with a with a heavy heart. Now I need um, to jump in. I need to jump in because I can hear people saying, Oh no, I can hear people they're sad, they're worried about the podcast, but we need to tell them where you are going. Who do is we? your new who is your new employer, Luke Hatfield? Do, do we need to do this? We need to tell them. We need to tell them. I wish people could see my face, how excited I am. Please tell them who your future employer is, Luke Hatfield. So, um, yeah, with a heavy heart, I'm departing the Express and Star. Uh, I've spent a wonderful five years here uh, covering Albion, covering other football clubs, covering other sport in general, working with some great people. Get to the point, Luke. Uh, I'm moving on to join West Bromwich Albion's media team. Yes, he is, everybody. Yes, <laughs> he is. He is moving on to join West Bromwich Albion's media team. It is official, official. Luke Hatfield is a baggy. Yes, he is. Forget Louis Barry. Forget Finn Azaz. Forget Tim Robenham. Do you know what? They'll probably never make a first team appearance anyway. The one person we want to make the journey has gone the right way. Luke <laughs> Hatfield star as ditched Villa Park, he's walked away and he is officially, officially a baggy. And that is why I am absolutely delighted with this news. Of course I'm glad to see you go mate, of course I am. I'm going to massively, massively miss you on this podcast. We're doing, this podcast we're doing really, really well. We're smashing the numbers, we really, really are. So, and you're you're a smashing lad. So look, I am, of course I am absolutely disappointed to see you go, but I cannot hold you back mate. I cannot hold you back. Just to clarify, I mean, I'm, an employee, I'm an employee of Albion. Yes, that's right. You are officially, officially West Bromwich Albion. No one <laughs> listening to this podcast. No one. Look, look, we, look, we have diehard Albion fans listening to this podcast. Diehard. And none of them can say what you can say, my friend. None of them can say that they are officially, officially... West Bromwich Albion, and I just want to—I just want to give a massive shout out to some of our listeners. I really, really do because it's been a long old journey. It's been a long old journey. They've been with me every step of the way. We, we sort of watched you that season under Slaven when you sort of, well, when we all knew you were becoming an Albion fan. Obviously, that was when you sort of changed when you referred to Albion as us and we and stuff. And it was beautiful, and we all really enjoyed it. And then <clears throat> the truth is, we know what happened, don't we? COVID got in the way. <laughs> But the listeners to this podcast have been amazing. I mean, look, we had the half and half scarf, didn't we, sent in? We've had so many messages, so many messages supporting you on your journey. It's been absolutely fantastic. And, mate, I've got to be honest, I I knew we'd get you back this season. I knew it. I I knew 
by the end of the 21-22 campaign, you'd be West Bromwich Albion again. I've got to be honest, mate. It's, it's happened quicker than I was expecting. And I didn't expect you to leave the company for a job with them. You've, you have <sighs> surpassed all my expectations. But I am absolutely overjoyed for you. I'm overjoyed for the listeners that's helped you on this journey. And I think... You're going to be spending a lot of time at the Hawthorns now. You're going to be spending more time at the Hawthorns than me, than anyone listening to this podcast. So I think if someone has listened to this podcast and has been on your journey with you, I think if they bump into you at the Hawthorns in the future, I really do think they should come up to you and just say, Hi, I'm Sam. I listened to the Baggies broadcast. I was part of your journey. I'm really glad. I'm just so proud of you. And I think if they do that, I think you should... Not just shake their hand, I think you should give them a hug and just thank them for helping you achieve what you've achieved because, mate, it's beautiful. I'm so happy for you. Christ. Uh, <laughs> I'm so I wasn't, pleased I, for you. I'm, you know what's really going to bug me? What's, nothing's going to bug you, mate. You are going to be so happy. So, what's really going to bug me is that first game we're both at. This is what and I mean, I'm gonna, I still get to see you every week, I still get to see you at all the games, it's just, oh mate, you in a West Bromwich Albion tracksuit. That's the, that's what's going to kill me. It's going to be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Oh, mate, I, I am half tempted to put on a, when I see you in that, that tracksuit, I think I might put a bet on for you to become the next James Bond. Because <laughs> you are going to look fantastic, mate. You are going to look so at home. You're going to take it to a new level. I'm just so happy for you, mate. I'm so happy for you. Genuine. You know when, like, um, you go out with your with your missus or your other half and they're adamant for a picture? Yeah. And, like, you, you, end up, you, you end up spending, like, ten minutes somewhere taking, a pic, taking pictures. You're going to be like that that first game, aren't you? Oh, mate, I can't wait. Oh, mate, I just... Sorry, I'm just sending a message. Um, oh, mate. Mate, I'm just pleased for you. I'm really pleased for you. You've done really, really well. Mate, you've smashed this podcast. It has to be said. We'll, we'll, I mean, look, we'll give you a bigger send-off next week, but we're the biggest podcast in, Albion podcast in town. Others claim they are. They're not. We're miles Un- ahead. Unsubstantiated. We, we, we see the figures. We know. Um, and I couldn't, like, we've done it together, mate. I'm so grateful. You smashed the hosting. You're brilliant. I've loved working with you. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, this is, like, a gift, it's a gift <laughs> a Christmas gift to Joe Massey <laughs> there is no way when we started this podcast I could have ever and your love for Albion I could have ever would have envisaged it this way so but it, this is how it's turned out we've it's, just, it's a beautiful thing um, you're going to be are we alright to say what job you're going to be doing at Albion yeah I'll be a, I'll be their social media officer you'll be so, so you want to talk to Luke basically you can now get Luke at, at WBA that's yeah. right isn't it <laughs> That's uh, that's good from you. That is, that's good from you. <laughs> that's the direct line. That one just came to me. The other stuff was a bit rehearsed, but that one just came to me. You know what? You know what the worrying thing is. I'm sh- I'm certain people will. Oh, they will, mate. They will. Um, I'll post something on that on on, on the WB admin, and someone's just gonna reply, <laughs> "Good one, Luke. That's really good." That. <laughs> and that is good. That's gonna be a bizarre moment for me. Luke Hatfield is officially at WBA Blue Tick. <laughs> and you know what the killer is? I'm going to lose my blue tick. You are. Oh. I get so much pleasure from that. Oh, it's going to kill me. <laughs> I can't believe that. I made. 
I made such such a big deal of of making sure that are you all right team. mate it sounds I'm, like you've sounds I'm fine like... i was getting some echo i was getting some echo oh, right. sounds um, like you've, um... i'm also i'm also like you know it's, it's, this is a lot's going through my head you know what i mean sounds um, like you just collapsed with the excitement then mate it was like you <laughs> couldn't, couldn't even get your words out yeah I, I was echoing a little bit um but yeah uh what was i saying i was so adamant about getting that blue tick and i made such a big deal about getting that blue tick my god did you make a big deal out of it I did a Twitter announcement, man. Oh, mate, it was absolute cringe, are they, honestly? Absolute cringe, are they? For the record, I'm only losing it because my Twitter feed at the moment, at LHatfield underscore star, because I'm leaving the Express and Star, yeah. obviously it'd make no sense for it to be LHatfield underscore star. Exactly. It's going to be bad, isn't it, that for you? That's, gonna, that's like a wounding, that is. I might just keep it, you know? But just think of all the West Bromwich Albion training gear you're going to get. Oh, <laughs> mate, oh. you're gonna look beautiful. Ah, oh, can we move on, <laughs> mate? You gotta be happy, West Bromwich. West Bromwich Albion. Ah, it's just brilliant news. If I wasn't questioning Goucher lie before, I am now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that is. Ugh. Anyway, well, mate, congratulations. We'll miss you, of course. I will. Um, I'll, I'll see you from time to time. Well, you'll see me at every w- Albion game, but. Yeah, we'll miss you, but yeah, very excited for you, very pleased. Oh, thanks, mate, and, and, and thank you to everyone who's tuned in. By the way, over, over this time that I've, I've worked on the Baggage Broadcast, every everyone who listens is a, a big thank you for all of them because they're all fantastic. And it's funny, I, it's really weird. I was at Coventry, um, and it's probably the best experience I've had going out to speak to fans after a game in a long time. Um, Partly because obviously it was a good result, but pe- more people than normal came over and just say hello, which is always nice. Ah, oh, see, they've been on your journey, mate. What can we say? What can we say? Um, on your journey, my friend. Coventry one, West Brom two. <clears throat> Let's talk about the game, shall we? Let's talk about the game, mate. I've got five talking points. Oh, done some production. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I always make that joke with you. I can't believe this. I've been doing this how long? Um, my first talking point, and it's, it's something we talked about in the video as well, we're, and we're talking about it again because he was that bloody good. Taylor Gardner-Hickman. He was absolutely fantastic, wasn't he? Yeah. What a man. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really seems a really nice lad as well. I didn't get to interview him afterwards, unfortunately, because he did the Sky interview. Um, and we spoke to Carl and Grant instead, but it was... Um, yeah, I mean, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, I thought he was really, really good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't sure, I really wasn't sure what Ishmael was going to do in terms of central midfield um, for the game. So, obviously, we know Jake Livermore, Jason Malumbi suspended. From what we're told, Robert Snodgrass has a back problem. I think that back problem is genuine, but we also understand that he's out of favour as well. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so, it was a bit of a, I mean, I, I, mean, I thought on Thursday, he go with Matt Phillips in there, um, but obviously we found out on Friday Matt Phillips was injured. Mm. Um, Hammy, um, yeah, I think it's hamstring. Yeah, so it's all about ooh, who, what is he actually going to do? And, and he did play Darnell Furlong there um, at Huddersfield when Jake Livermore got sent off. So he was, that was sort of came into my thinking maybe. Obviously Shemi Ajayi has done the role for played in central midfield for Rotherham, but I'd argue 
he played it in a very different way to what Ishmael demands in his three four three. So yeah, it was it was sort of conf- it, there was a big question mark as to who would play there. Um, <clears throat> Taylor Garner Hickman and got Leonard and Ishmael said post match that that. You have to remember that he knows exactly what he wants from each player in his three-four-three. He's basically got the statistical data, the numbers mm. he believes are crucial in each position on the pitch. And so, um, look, it's, there's more to it than simple numbers. Of course, there is. Like it's, it's football at the end of the day. You, like you see a lot of it with your eyes. But he, because he's got that blueprint, base blueprint, if you like, then he sort of knew the players that could do hit the numbers he needs in those areas and Taylor Garner Hickman was the one that could do it so he came in and you have to say those numbers were absolutely correct because <clears throat> I think he was absolutely outstanding I thought, I thought there was two Albion players that were head and shoulders of everyone else personally on the day um, and they were Alex Mowat and Taylor Gardner Hickman Yeah. Um, I think when you look at it with a bit of romance he's 19 years old he's out of position um, he played brilliantly. I think he got us. Well, he deservedly got man of the match. I think Moet for me was probably my man of the match. I don't want to be. I don't like just. I thought I thought he was excellent. I really did. I thought some of his defensive, um, some of the positions he took up defensively were absolutely crucial. But Taylor Gon Hickman was 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 fantastic. He was he was at, he was he was very very worthy of his man of the match award. And he he was very very aggressive and there's some interesting stats that have come out about just how high he was at the pitch about the, the passes he played forwards mm. um, a lot more than sort of Livermore Malumbi and um, Moet have done this season um, no doubt about it he was he was fantastic he made a massive impression um, and what what a player he looks to be I mean I, I do think his long term future is at right wing back um, if I'm honest um, and I think Ishmael sort of said as much as well but he was absolutely outstanding. Um, and that interview he did with Sky as well was really sort of refreshing to see. He seems a smashing lad. Yeah, it carried himself really well. And and for me, it was it was all action, really. He was, he, was, he was up and down. He was, you know, he wasn't just sitting back and, you know, playing it safe, was he? I mean, he was, he was getting himself about. He was, you know, diving into tackles and, and, and legitimately doing so. It wasn't, it wasn't just a matter of, I'm just going to throw, you know, throw myself around and, and and try and impress. He was, I mean, it was a really just solid performance all round. I, th- I thought it was an all round midfield showing Fr- from someone of his age. It was it was well in advance of his years. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I thought it was, <clears throat> like I said, I can't can't praise him enough. Really, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He did say afterwards he has played there a few times before. Um, in the 23s but you got to remember that he actually started this season as a winger before Ishmael arrived he was in the academy as a winger mm. um, and then as Ishmael has converted him to a right wing back and then now he's been converted again hasn't he into a central midfielder if you like so um, yeah I thought I mean he did absolutely everything asked of him he, 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 he pressed so well he was really high at the pitch he won the ball high he used the ball well um, he was full of energy yeah I mean you couldn't I think I suppose the biggest compliment you can pay him is you if, if you're watching that game you'd never know he wasn't a, cent, a central midfielder or fresh to the side I mean he looked like hands down one of the best players on the pitch and looked very very comfortable at the level mm. uh, next next talking point Joe um, go on finding the back of the net <clears throat> my god that yeah. was needed um, Carl and Grant with the first one really good finish I thought um, lovely little bit of play second one I mean in if it's in the Premier League, VAR's ruling it out. 
Um, and it's listed as an own goal, but who cares? I mean, to see Albin hit the back of the net twice was just it was just so good to see, so refreshing. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it was four games without a win, wasn't it? Three games without a goal um, before the trip to what I'm going to call the Rico Arena. I know it's called something else now, but the, the Coventry Building Society Arena. It's it's a Rico Arena for me. Um, yeah, um, Ishmael was very sort of sort of. In fairness to him, he was he was a lot calmer than everyone else was um, about the lack of goals. He, he was he was calm in the in the in the pretty much press conference. He was absolutely adamant the goals were going to come, and then afterwards he was very very calm again. He, he sort of said he was never in any doubt that, we, that they were going to start scoring goals, and I think it was just a matter of taking chances. I think there has been an issue with Albion's chance creation. The number of clear-cut chances they create, there's no doubt about that. There's, a, there's, and I think there's a slight um, difference, perhaps, in what Ishmael sees as a chance, um, and st- as to what the fans see as a chance as well. I think um, he's, he's, I think uh, Albion fans at times, and me as well, have thought at times that Albion haven't created a lot of clear-cut opportunities, and I think Ishmael's felt they've actually done better in the final third than perhaps us or in the media or fans have given them credit for. Mm. Um, but what is without a shadow of a doubt is Albion in, in the four-game winless run um, during that three games without a goal. Albion did miss huge opportunities. Yeah. Um, they did miss huge opportunities. I mean, the Blackpool game. Yes, that's. I mean, the, the, how Carl and Grant's not scored um, against Blackpool, um, I really don't know. Um, massive opportunity for him. Against Forest, of course, Jordan Hugo's got has a has a massive chance, um, and these these I, I've got to be honest. I thought the Coventry game was an overall better performance from Albion. I thought yeah. if you take if you take the last what was it four games about a win. If you take the last five games, I think without doubt that was the best performance of the five. Yeah. However, um, there was a massive difference in the sense that. Albion just took the, they did take their chances in that game um, and you just cannot legislate for that I mean like the, the goals are just so so important it sounds it sounds it sounds the most obvious thing to say in football but I genuinely think that the, like the vast majority of people I've said this before still don't put enough emphasis on the importance of goals mm. um, it's like you, see, you hear it all the time yeah he scored but what else did he do well that one thing, that one thing, putting the ball in the net, is not only the only stat that matters. It's also something that will then completely change the dynamic of the game. Yeah. If you're one nil up, it, like everything changes, doesn't it? Teams have to come out. They have to chase the game. They have to push men forward. So you can't, you can't like underestimate the importance of goals. Like it's like player ratings. Like if, if for me, if someone scores, that. That you automatically put them at least one point above what their mark is for the game. Yeah, they start they start at six. If you get a goal, it's seven. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, start at six. If they've got a goal, they're already on a seven. Um, because that goal is so important, um, and I think that is the big difference. I thought gen- generally, I'm not. It is important to stress. I do think overall, Albion put in a much improved display at Coventry, um, but. The biggest difference overall was the fact that they took the chances that came their way, um, and if they just got one of them against Blackpool and one of them against Forest, um, 
they'd have a lot a lot more points on the board and the table would look very very healthy i mean it's only six points now but it could easily be four or three the gap mm. um so <clears throat> yeah i mean and they, they had some big opportunities as well they didn't take um at coventry callum robinson missed missed a real big chance yeah um that he should have scored so they, i mean they could have been freeing it up at the break um no problem, but yeah, it was, it was great to see them put those chances away. It really was. Yeah, it was, um, and you kind of alluded to it there. I mean, I don't think it was fair to say Albion were ever out of the the top two race, but at one point it looked like it was going to be a tough a tough gap to make up. And, and Valerian Ishmael was always pretty calm about it. He always said there's plenty of games to go, and he's completely right in saying that there's, there's loads of time left in this season. I mean, we're not even at Christmas yet. Um, but now you look at that gap, six points. I mean, that can be made up quick time in the championship. Of course it can. And, and I think Ishmael has been calm because of what he did at Barnsley last season, let's be honest. I mean, he, he dragged the club from the relegation zone into the playoffs. Um, there's, he knows almost better than anyone just how, how long there is to go. Um, and when you're in football, I think... You have a, a much more understanding. You're, you're a lot calmer. It's the way the world is now. Everyone's so everyone's so dramatic, aren't they? Everyone feels great after a win at Coventry, and everyone felt everyone feels after Coventry, Albion could maybe get in the top two, and everyone feels after the draw against not after not scoring for three games, they've got no chance. It's it's just the way things are now. There's no middle yeah. ground. It's just everything's so extreme. And look, don't get me wrong, Fulham and Bournemouth are going to be really hard to catch. Like as it, as it as it stands at this moment in time, Albion are third favourites, aren't they? Yeah. Um, um, but but they're more but but this but gaps like this have been caught hundreds and hundreds of times. This is this is this is on like this is doable. Um, it's more than doable because I people will people will maybe raise an eyebrow at this, but Fulham and Bournemouth are not as convincing as their lead their lead suggests. When they had that gap of eight points. Those two teams don't deserve that gap of eight points. No, no. chance. They've not been. They, they've they've been good. They've been very good, but they've not been good enough to deserve an eight-point lead. And I think people need to realise that a little bit. <clears throat> you look at. Um, we've spoken before. I, Fulham have got some wonderful players. They've got some absolute wonderful players. But if Mitrovic gets injured, the difference that will make to that side yeah. is un- is unbelievable. Um, and and I tell you now, if Mitrovic was playing for Albion, it'd be Albion at the top of the league. Oh uh, yeah. It's Mitrovic. It's the difference between Fulham and Albion at this moment in time. And <clears throat> you might take, you might think there's a lot of players at Fulham. You take out at Albion. Of course they're it. They got they got a really good squad. But it's Mitrovic. It's the difference. Um. So let's see what happens there. If, if look, to be honest, he's, he's probably too good to go off the boil. Um. In this league, but if he was to get injured, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. And I'm still, I'm still, the jury's still out on Marco Silva as a manager. There's still a long way to go. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Bournemouth, I'm only basing this on XG, XG stats. Bournemouth in the XG table, if anyone wants to look at this, there's a brilliant website called Experimental 361 um, where they basically do the league table instead of. Um, Doing it based on the points you win. They, they, they said, sorry, instead of instead of doing the league table on the score line of the game, which is what obviously a, a league table should be on, 
they do it on the, as if the score was based on XG. So whoever wins on XG gets three points, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's what the experimental 361 table is. Bournemouth, up to a couple of weeks ago, were sort of ninth in the championship. They have risen to sixth now, in fairness to them. They're, they're, they're going in the right direction. Um, but they're still only sixth in the XG table. Mm. Um, Albion is second in the XG table behind Fulham. So, potentially, Bournemouth are catchable. Um, so I think there's, there's a long way to go in this season. Um, Albion are rock solid defensively. You can't say otherwise. Um, all the data suggests they are rock, they're the joint joint lowest goals conceded in the league with Fulham and Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, but XG against they are the lowest in the division. So <clears throat> I think um, if they, for me they need to get to January. They need to get to January. They've got a favourable run of fixtures coming up, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They need to pick up. They need to go on a bit of a winning run now. Certainly an unbeaten run till Christmas, and then they need to get a number nine, a clinical, powerful, out and out centre forward. And if they do that, if they get to January unbeaten or a, with a very, very, very healthy points return, and then in January they can bring someone in like a. Who knows, like a, a Daryl DK, a Keenan Davis, a Liam Delap, I don't know, mm. whoever you think, but they can bring someone like that in, and I think it's game on. Yeah. It's it's interesting you kind of point out the goal difference. The goals allowed, sorry. 17 each, Bournemouth, Fulham. It's just the, the goals for, which is the real one. And you look at Bournemouth, they've scored eight more goals than Albion. If Albion had scored eight more goals this season, I'd wager that they'd have more than six points more than they currently have now if you know what I'm saying yeah absolutely yeah and <clears throat> and that's, don't get me wrong that's a massive thing isn't it like eight goals is a hell of a lot of goals um, but let's have a look how many goals has Dominic Solanke got so like wow he's got 17 17 goals uh, got this, I didn't realise I, I knew he was doing well but I didn't know he was doing that well um, you look at if you go on if you if Anyone wants to know, I tend to go on soccer base from the stats. If anyone Googles Dominic Solanke soccer base and you look at it, when you look at it, how often he's scored, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, he's, I mean, people... <clears throat> look, Ishmael's had his critics this season. The style of play has been criticised. Um, and look, Fulham and Bournemouth probably will play more pleasing on the eye football than Albion. They're possession-based teams for a start and Albion ideally would be an out of possession based team mm. um, but the difference between Fulham Bournemouth and Albion at the minute is Mitrovic and Solanke yeah that's the difference and I tell you what if you put one of them in this team I reckon I reckon Albion would have more points than them I reckon yeah. Albion would be top um, so I think that's what everyone needs to remember of Ishmael really yeah, a lot of those draws certainly would be wins, wouldn't they? Uh, I I think so. Yeah. Um, another man back in the goals, uh, Carlin Grant. That's good to see. Um, you know, he's he's been Albion's kind of main culprit in terms of you know scoring goals and, and scoring big goals at that. Um, and he got the opener against Cov. Yeah, and look, this is this is he is the type. I said earlier, as people say. Um, he scored, but what else did he do? And I've been guilty of saying that about Carlin Grant at times this season because 
he doesn't contribute masses. He doesn't contribute masses um, to the all-round game, to the all-round play. He, he, like for example, I don't think he's got an assist this season. He, that might be mm. wrong, but he certainly hasn't got um, an assist for Callum Robinson because Callum Robinson set up so many of his goals. Um, he keeps reminding him about it, but look, he's scoring goals and they're absolutely massive. Absolutely, he's so important. He's, he's rapidly becoming. Oh, sorry to Carlin, he has got two assists this season, to be fair to him. Yeah. Um, but nine goals, two assists in 21 games. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, I mean, he is doing his bit, isn't he? Yeah, I think <clears throat> it's a bit harsh on the other forwards, but um, I think all of them can do more, to be honest. Mm. Um, in terms of Carlin, he is, he's doing his bit handsome, I think. Those goals have been absolutely massive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, another man who, I mean, you you said was back back to his best, or you you, you certainly praised him, uh, Alex Mower. I mean, when he went down injured um, all those weeks ago, we were worried for Albion. Um, they had they did hit a sticky patch in terms of form, but Mower. I mean, against against Coventry, it was it really was you know prime Mower. You know, start of the season kind of stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it just isn't. I don't know if he. I think he, he probably had to be a bit more disciplined because he was obviously playing alongside Taylor Gardner Hickman. He was new to the role and he's um, very direct, Taylor Gardner Hickman. Mm. Um, so you'd, you'd want him to be the more sort of adventurous of the two. So I don't know. I, mean, I think Moet normally is the more adventurous of the two. If Livermore's playing, he would be <clears throat> more of the playmaker than Livermore, you'd say. Um, but I think Moet did sort of take his, put a more of a defensive cap on against Coventry, and he was, he was absolutely fantastic. It, it, his positioning was ridiculously good. Mm. I mean, it's stuff that sometimes you don't, you just don't really appreciate. But just little interceptions, little tackles, winning loose balls. I mean, his positioning was outstanding. The um, odd smart foul as well. Yeah, and they're, and I tell you what, they are a good side, Coventry. They're a really, really good side. They move the ball really, really well. Um, so he's not the biggest, Alex Mowat. He's quite a little lad, really. He's not. He's not the tallest, but he was. A, he was a wall on Saturday. Yeah, I thought he was great. I, I agree. I thought. He, I thought he was really, really good. Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for the City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell's Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking for re- to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit www.adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place or call 01902 Joe, shall we get questions in? Do you know what, right? I haven't looked at any of the questions. I haven't had a chance. I had a crazy busy day today, but for other reasons, we don't need to go into that. I'm looking at the tweet I put out. 38 replies. 38 replies since 1.53pm. Since 
So I was like an hour and an hour and a half. We've had thirty eight. So if we've got thirty eight questions, we're gonna have to go damn quick, aren't we? We we are we are. First one comes from Rob Smith. Uh, does Ishmael have a specific role in mind for Taylor Gardner Hickman going forward? Um, I think he does. Yeah, I think look, I think Taylor Gardner Hickman proved in that game that he is a very very able deputy for central midfield. Um, but I think he Ishmael very much sees his future as a right wing back. Um, I think person. That's just the impression I get. Um, yeah, but I believe, I believe Taylor Gardner-Hickman has got a very bright future at Albion on that right-hand side. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say so too. Um, Daniel, touch with a couple. First one, uh, Christmas pudding, yes or no? No. I'm not a Christmas pudding man either. Uh, second one, simple, who is the striker we are being linked to? Um, so, so um, I got, I got... So we're obviously doing some digging around with that. So that, that it's, I, I, my understanding is I know a name on the shortlist. I'm hoping to put a story out tomorrow on it, but I might not. There's might be one or two complications of it. To be honest, it is not a revolutionary name. It's a name everyone will have heard before. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but but hopefully that story will come out tomorrow. But if it doesn't, even if it doesn't, no one should be too disappointed because um, believe me, you'll have heard the name before. Um, all I can tell you for certain is that Albion are very, very keen on signing the striker next month. Um, That's good to hear. Um, there was a. I asked Ishmael about transfer. Ishmael, the, uh, the January window, the January, whenever transfer windows are open, and then the build up to them, managers get basically asked about them at every press conference. Um, what's the situation with transfer? Blah 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 blah. blah. The question I asked Ishmael on Friday, when we saw him ahead of the Coventry game, was, are you confident you will get the additions you need? Mm-hmm. Um, and he replied, I am confident. Uh, so we've put that story out. Um, I think that story went out on Saturday morning. Um, it sounds to me... Look, at the end of the day, it's December the 6th as we record this. It's basically a month to go to the window opens. Anything can happen. Albion could have agreed to sign someone in principle on January the 1st. And on Boxing Day, a click plums in with more money, better wages. Any Anything can... There's just so long to go still. Mm. Um, but there does feel... Um, a confidence as as we've already used that word but you certainly get the impression that Albion have already done a lot of the groundwork they've needed to do and that they've got a clear strategy and a clear way they want to go so look they've still got to get the deals done I've said a million times on this podcast a deal is complete basically 10 minutes before you see the picture of the player signing the shirt and with a holding the shirt up and, or with a pen in his hand signing the contract because <clears throat> no one benefits from not telling anyone mm-hmm. um, and things can go wrong at the last minute numerous deals break down at the last minute so it's not done till it's done but you did get I did get the, the sort of impression from Ishmael that um, they've got their ducks in a row if you like and they will get some business done in January. Yeah. Um, 
that's good to hear because that's something they need. Um, I think Salat just on Baggy. that as well. Sorry, just on that. I think they've got to get it done in January, and I think Ishmael deserves it to be honest. Um, like they've brought in a manager with a clear playing style, a clear philosophy. Um, look, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Not everyone likes foul ball. Not everyone likes gegenpressing, pressing. Not everyone likes high press. Um, it's what Man United are going to be now um, under Ralph Rangnick. Um, he's someone that Ishmael has come across many times in his career. Um, so you have to say that Albion's board haven't haven't really given Ishmael the tools to do his job this season. Mm. Um, <clears throat> he needs a powerful clinical number nine that can knit his front three together um, so if you're going to bring in a manager and task him to get you promoted and on a four year deal I think you've got you've got to help him somewhere along the line and give him the tools to do his job so I think I think that's why Albion will will sign a striker next month yeah um, fair point uh, Salat Baggy asks after the results of the Barry and Ferguson deals and the acquisition of some of our other promising prospects for very little, if anything at all, who is to blame? Barry not offered a scholarship and, and Ferguson turned down more well, money with us. Um, oh, you put me on the spot there, to be honest. Um, Sorry, mate. Right, so the Louis Barry one <clears throat> is very, very complex and um, things I can't say without... Well, I just can't say... Um, but what we can say oh, it's difficult with the Lurie Barry one um, what we can say with the Lurie Barry one is that Albion dropped the ball slightly mm-hmm. um, I think it's fair to say they sort of offered a verbal contract rather than a written contract if you like Um there's definitely blame on Albion's part. There's definitely fault there. Um, however, the fault was so minor that the FA was still willing to go to tribunal and back their side. Mm-hmm. So that's the independent FA. It's not like it's not, and it's not. It's not a nobody. It's not a chancer. It's not a. It's the FA. Like the yeah. FA were willing to back them up. Like it was. <clears throat> they <clears throat> they dropped the ball slightly. Albion with Louis Barry. Um, but only slightly um, um, I think you have to label it as a minor admin error that really in any other walk of life unless you're going to get top lead, like solicitors lawyers in it's not, it's not going to be exploited um, but Barcelona did exploit it um, and yeah that's the situation with Louis Barry <clears throat> but on one hand, I suppose the bottom line though is Albion balls it up. Like it was only minor, um, but but Albion did balls it up. Like if they didn't made that mistake, it wouldn't have happened. So mm. the buck the buck does stop with them, and that's why they lost at the end of the day. That's why that's why um, <clears throat> that ruling went the way it did. Um, in terms of Nathan Ferguson, I can't Nathan. So. <laughs> Uh, the issue with Nathan Ferguson is I can't I don't know um, we have spoken about this on the podcast before I'm trying to find out and I believe so basically the when you set, have a tribunal it's it's um it's a group of people who sit together um, you can find this information out I can't remember exactly but say it's like 
it's not it won't be it wasn't Albion or Palace they weren't represented on the panel mm. so it'll be someone like a direct it'd be someone from a champ, like a championship director it'd be a premiership director at these clubs do you see what I mean so what I'm saying is at each club you have someone who can who will sit on a tribunal every now and again mm. and they, these people there's loads of them do, loads of people do it um, and I know people who have sat on tribunals before do you see what I mean so yeah I've texted those people and said, hey, up, don't suppose you're on the Nathan Ferguson Tribunal or you know who was. And so far, everyone's come back and said, oh, no, sorry, mate, it wasn't me and I don't know who mm. was on it. <clears throat> so, I mean, I'm sure they could find that if they wanted to, but no one's got back to me with who's on it. But the, the Nathan Ferguson one, we've said this before on the podcast, it's absolutely mind-boggling. Like, it was... Um, I mean, he I, t- I just couldn't believe that the... F- the reported amount that Albion were going to get. So on the one hand, there's, there's nothing out... That, I mean, I don't know how much time we want to go into this. So... I imagine Slaven Bilic... Slaven Bilic is not... It's a day before Slaven Bilic is going to join Albion, yeah? Yeah. Nathan Ferguson, Nathan Ferguson is a nobody. He's a nobody. He's got one year, one year left on his contract, and I think he was going to go on loan to Mansfield. I think that was lined up. And there was every chance he was going to be let go by Albion at the end of the season. Mm. Now, if everyone, had, if that had happened, then no one would have batted an eyelid. Um, and if he'd gone to Mansfield, done okay, and got released, everyone would have been like, "Oh, well, it probably wasn't good enough for us anyway." So you got to remember that was a position Nathan Ferguson was in. Nathan Ferguson was probably going to be like let go by Albion. Yeah. Um, then what happens? Slavin comes in, looks at this kid, and goes, "Wow, you're amazing. You're going to be my right back." Throws him into the championship. Let's be honest, he was damn good. Yeah. Um, and then Nathan Ferguson is in a position where he's got Crystal Palace chasing him does he owe Albion something yes and no they developed him but on the other hand they probably were going to let him go so I don't how much loyalty does he owe them there's no loyalty in football if Nathan, if Albion didn't think Nathan Ferguson was good enough they would have let him go yeah true um, so on the one hand there's that issue Uh Look, Palace agreed to pay eleven million pounds for him in that January. We all know he got injured, or there was an injury was discovered with the medical. That meant that he basically didn't play again for the rest of that. Well, he hasn't played since. Literally, that was his last game. Um, mm. um, obviously, got ran, ran down his contract, became a free agent, so therefore the fee is going to be decided by tribunal. Albion were very, very confident that at a tribunal, what we are told is that any previous bids that have been rejected are taken into consideration so Albion well not sorry any previous bids are taken into consideration not any previous bids that have been rejected any previous bids Palace made an 11 million pound bid they were willing to pay that money for him that was but and then during the tribunal before the tribunal happened Palace were trying to buy Ferguson so it didn't go to tribunal mm-hmm. we think we think they offered 4 million pounds is what we we think they offered um, Albion thought they would easily get seven or eight million. I think. I think they thought they might get more. Based, on, I think they thought they'd get something near the eleven million they agreed to sell him for. But I think they certainly thought they'd get around seven or eight million. That's why they rejected the four million. Then, lo and behold, the tribunal rules nine hundred thousand. It is with add-ons. It has to be said. From what I understand, like it's a, we haven't got down to this fee exactly yet. Um, 
it, it, it should be more than 900,000 with appearances and goals and trophies and maybe England Cups or whatever but um, yeah the, the fact that Crystal Palace were willing to pay £4 million yet the tribunal ruled 900,000 is absolutely staggering mm. and unfortunately until I can find out who was on that panel um, and then hope that they talked to me I'd, I'd love to know their reasoning I, I, like, I can't can't at this moment in time it defies all logic but 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 there must be a reason yeah just need to try and find it out very strange um situation uh leo watkins quick mention for cedric kipra i think a lot of fans wrote him off due to a couple of mistakes but he's grown into our best ball playing center half has a great partnership with bartley and looks to be playing with confidence i thought kipra's best game for albion was against coventry yeah um i gotta be honest he gives me, he, he makes me nervous. Kipra does. He makes me nervous, and <clears throat> he just looks know, so relaxed all the time, which is worrying. Should we tell the story what we see post match? We kind of have to now. I said that, don't we? Yeah, we kind of do. So I, I pointed out to you. Can't remember what game it was. It was, it was at the Hawthorns post match. Uh, and when a game finishes the subs and the players who have only played 10-15 minutes they do extra work extra extra exercise I'm, I'm assuming it's got something to do with the way they prepare themselves and they need to you know burn some energy or something I'm not too I'm not too sure of the reasoning behind it there'll be a sports science thing but regardless players often end up running from one pitch to one end of the pitch to the other uh, and they're timed in, in doing so at the front of that pack every time is Robert Snodgrass Regardless oh, right, of where, okay. I didn't know that. <clears throat> regardless of what, well, every time I saw it, anyway. Regardless of whether he played twenty minutes or whether he didn't get on the pitch, it was always Robert Snodgrass. Cedric Kipper was always at the back of that pack. He wasn't at the back, was he? Well, he was miles behind. Yeah. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's just say. Let's just say when you watched it, I must. I must admit there was a time where I thought. Does he really want to be there? Does he really want to be doing that extra running? It didn't look to me as if he did. But I tell you what, he's come in and he's proved me wrong because the performances he's put in have been good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it definitely cloud. So I've got to stop letting that cloud my judgment because it does cloud my judgment. Um, but if you were what if you were watching the, these players warm up or warm down or whatever they're doing after a game... If you pick five, if say there was eight of them running, let's say Snodgrass comes first. Say it was, it'd be Snodgrass first, Taylor Gordon Hickman second, um, Adam Reach third, Grady Dean Garner fourth. Name some other player. Caleb uh, Taylor. Caleb Taylor fifth, sixth blank, seventh blank, eighth Cedric Kipra. I mean, he's that far behind, isn't he? Like he's <laughs> yeah. he's miles behind them when he's doing these warm downs. He's miles behind them. Um, so, and I, you watch him and you think, that's not good. Like, he's only, he's, he, they're running and he's jogging. Like, that's the truth of it. Like, he just can't, he just can't be bothered with those post-match um, <laughs> warm downs. And that has clouded my judgment on him a bit, I've got to be sad. Um, I must admit, I can understand it from a player's point of view because he wants to be playing. He doesn't want to be doing those cool downs. I know no player wants to do those. 
No, no, but I think, I mean, he's a professional footballer. I mean, that, that is literally his job. Yeah. Um, um, I don't want to write two stories about snooker when I finish this podcast, but I've got to do it. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> it's just what you get paid for, isn't it? True. Um, but yeah, that is Cladamore. Anyway, that's a story we didn't really need to tell. But yeah, it's, it, that issue may put me a question mark above Kipper in my mind. I've, at times I felt he's looked shaky defensively. I, I, there's no doubt about it, he's good on the ball. He's, he's very much a ball-playing centre-back. Um, he can pass into midfield very well. He can pass out wide very well. He's got good attributes there, there's no doubt about it. I've got, I've got to give him a lot of credit. He's getting better and better and better. Um uh, to which I think commentary was his best display. He's he is now very thoroughly deserving a place in the eleven. He plays without a shadow of doubt. If I was picking a team tomorrow, Kipper is in it. Um, I'm a massive Shami Ajayi fan though. I do really like him, but um, it's certainly his shirt to lose. But yeah, as it stands, it is his Kipper's shirt to lose. Yeah, interesting. It is interesting. So you never know who's watching Cedric. See, you never know. <laughs> You think you're getting away with it because there's no fans there, but we're still there, aren't we? <laughs> I'll be surprised if Cedric's listening to this podcast, mate. <laughs> yeah, me too, to be fair. If he is, though, <laughs> another surprise. If another he is, surprise. next time he's on the bench, he's going to win those races. We know some Albion, <laughs> Albion players listen. We know some, some of them do. Um, let's talk. Uh, bag is Tom, sorry. Uh, what are the odds on Johnson leaving in January? Uh, so I would say the odds are very, very low. Um, personally so the situation with Johnson obviously is that he will we've said this before as well that if he becomes a free agent he will basically get a massive signing on fee yeah um, is the truth of it look let's say let's say let's say this window just this window Johnson's worth Five million pounds because he's got six months left. I think I don't know if that's fair. What do you think he's worth? He's worth more than that. I mean, no, I know he's worth more than that. But if in this window, what is he worth? Oh, then yeah, probably. I mean, if you can get five or six, you you're happy. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it the other day at the game. A few people were saying like three to four million in this window with five six months in his contract. I I, feel, I still think you're looking at five million probably. Um. So if you're a club, say you, I mean Southampton are signing Willie Caballero today apparently, but if you're a club like Southampton or whoever, you want a keeper, you're thinking five million, God, I can get Sam Johnson for five million, absolutely brilliant. But in the summer, you can get him for free and you can say to Sam Johnston, we'll give you two and a half million pounds to sign for a signing on fee. And obviously you get your Premier League wage. They've still saved two and a half million quid but is it is it worth is the two and a half million quid worth battling, you know, six or seven other clubs to get him? Well, yeah, but they've got the money then to battle them, haven't they? Because they'll be yeah, it's it's a no. But what I'm saying, you're right in terms of Southampton. Is it worth it? But because they're they're a small there's smaller market in the Premier League. <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, if if Southampton are in the Championship, you wouldn't say that club's too big to be in the champion. Or I personally wouldn't say that club's too big to be in the Championship. No, put yourself in Sam's shoes. Are you going to turn down that signing on fee? It depends. Who else is in for me? It massively depends, but look, I think that's very. I think that's a very. If, re- if it's West Ham or Southampton, who are you joining? West Ham. Mate, it's, it's, 
That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But West Ham are playing in like the Europa League. Yeah, yeah, but it's a lot of money. A lot of money, but he still making X amount a week. Yeah, but I don't think as many people think like that. I don't. I think that's kind of a. I think that's what people say when they're not actually offered the money, when they're not actually earning that amount. I think when you actually see the offer on the table. If I said to you now, you can sign for West Ham tomorrow. I give you forty grand a week. Yeah. And an half a million pounds signing on fee. Yeah. Or you can sign for Southampton in the summer. I'll give you forty grand a week again. But I'll give you two and a half million pounds signing on fee. You I'd really go, for West, I'd go for West Ham, mate. You turn down two million quid. You're playing at a much higher level. <coughs> Plus but, I mean, don't get me wrong, I can understand this from a player's point of view as well. West Ham are a London club. You don't no disrespect to Southampton as a place, you'd rather live in London. Mate, it's actually two million pounds. Yeah, but I'm still getting forty grand a week. <sighs> yeah. <clears throat> and you're still gonna get some I'm still getting five hundred grand from West Ham to sign. I I think that's I mean I, I if you if I'm pleased you would do it like that. I think that's very like a romantic way of doing it. But I think the vast majority of people when actually faced with the cash would take the the biggest set. I, I suppose you've got to take into account playing opportunities, this and that as well. Oh, and that will be like at the forefront for Sam. And that's why he won't I think I don't think Sam's against staying at Albion but in any way, shape or form. He loves the club, he'd love to be there. I think if Albion are in the Premier League, um it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me to see him sign a new deal um, that would probably have like a release clause if they got relegated. Um, <clears throat> but I think there's so many, so many advantages for Sam to wait until the summer. More clubs will want him. He'll get a bigger signing on fee. He'll definitely get a Premier League move. Whereas now, he needs to be in the Premier League. He knows that next season. It's even like Newcastle. Newcastle's the interesting one because Newcastle would probably be willing to pay the six million or five million Albion would want for him, mm. and they could maybe slap him some a big signing on fee as well. But it's no guarantee if he goes to Newcastle, he'll be in the Premier League next year. Yeah, and that means there's no guarantee he'll get in the England squad for the World Cup. So I don't know how appealing Newcastle would be for him, to be honest. Mm. Um, I, I, Johnson could definitely leave in January if something unbelievable emerges and of course he'll take it but I, I, I thoroughly thoroughly expect him to see out the season at Albion mm. I really do and assess his options in the summer do you reckon Albion if presented with too good of an offer would say maybe we just pull the trigger someone comes in with 6 million quid yeah, don't, I think if Alvin, if I think if Alvin got a bid for six million quid for Sam Johnson tomorrow, they'd accept it, and I think they'd be mad not to accept it. Mm. I, if you said to me, I'm a massive Sam Johnson fan, right? Absolutely love the blow. I think he's absolutely brilliant. But I swap him now for Daryl DK. That sounds awful because I genuinely, really, am a huge Sam Johnston fan. But as brilliant as he is. He's, Sam Johnson is going to win us points this season, but Albion don't concede a lot of chances. Mm. Like, that's the truth of it. Like, 
he's just not. He, I, I think. I think. I, I think DK would would win us if we win the Premier League. You really want to keep Johnston yeah. because goalkeepers are so important, <clears throat> and Albion will will come under a lot of pressure. That's probably the best way of saying it. Actually, I think Sam Johnston would actually win more points for Albion in the Premier League than he would in the Championship. Yeah. Because Albion are dominant in the Championship in a lot of games. <clears throat> and what's missing, really, is a, is a centre-forward. I think Al- Albion would go up with David Button in goal and DK up front. So if you could sell Johnson for £6 million and bring in DK with that, I'd do it. But yeah. <clears throat> it doesn't work like that football, does it? That is football manager talk, that is. That's a bit... <clears throat> Uh, Dan Nash a question for supposed Villa fan Luke Uh, oh I'm a stalker aren't I I'm Dan Nash's stalker yeah supposed isn't welcome Um, Keenan Davis has been rumoured as a possible loan option for Albion do you think he'd be good for us or do you think his low goals record and baggage of being a Villa player would make it a risky move for both him and Albion I personally don't think he's the man for Albion I've seen Keenan Davis a lot he's a great hold up striker brilliant bullies defenders for fun absolute nightmare to deal with but Albion need goals and goals are not something that Davis provides on a near on a nearly regular enough level level. He just doesn't he's not clinical enough in front of goal. He doesn't go out, he's not gonna get your goal every other game. He can play others in. He, it might work in terms of he'll hold the ball up and maybe Carlin Grant, Callum Robinson and Grady Diangana could work off of him. But I, I think Albion need a number nine that's going to score them goals, not necessarily, you know, dominate in terms of holding up play and then trying to play others in. That's my personal view on it. <clears throat> yeah, see, I kind of, I think you, I think that is probably, I agree with you. But the the one question with Keenan Davis would be, he hasn't really played in the Championship for a long time. Mm. Um, so would would dropping into the Championship help him find that goal scoring touch because there's no doubt all round he's a he's a good player and I mean remember that game at Villa Park last year he came on and completely changed the game didn't he I mean he absolutely tore Albion apart yeah um, <clears throat> that's why he can, he can do that on a good day but those days don't come around good enough he's really good at holding the ball like genuinely you can I, I feel like he's one of the few players you could literally ping a ball into you know whether it's on his chest at his feet Nine times out of ten, he's taking control of it, and he's keeping the defender away from it. Yeah, I think he's a good player. I wouldn't be against him at Albion. Is he? Is he the actual? Is he the man they need at this moment in time? I don't think it's a no, but there's a big question mark on it. Mm, that's what I'd say. Uh, last question, because we're we're in an hour and already. Um, Devin Shabaggis, if you could take one current Albion player out for Nando's, who would it be and why? Ah. What a question. This is this is um we should like we should this, this should have been our last ever question on the on your podcast. On on, on your final Baggies broadcast. <laughs> because this is what I would say is an acceptable food question. Because it mixes it, it mixes food and football. It's a beautiful way. It's a beautiful way to, to, to end this era, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's not over yet. <clears throat> you could, I mean, you'd obviously be in charge of ordering. You'd, you'd, you'd make some recommendations to the player. Yeah, I definitely would. From your time working at Nando's, you'd know some sort of secret little um, things. Perry Flamer, Perry Flamer, mate. There you go, mate. 
I mean, medium and peritoneum mixed together it's the one you'd blow their mind with that yeah and then I'd enjoy the, the Albion chat do you know what I'd take go on Callum Robinson do you know what I'd take go on it's a toss up between I thought you said something else then <laughs> <laughs> I'd take Grady Dean Garner <clears throat> That's a that's a that's a decent table of four that. <laughs> Me, you, Callum and Grady. Yeah. That's a good table of four, mate. I'm not, a, sure if, not sure if I'd see it that way, but it's got a, a it's got a mix of everything. You've got <laughs> Callum who's super chatty, super friendly, really nice guy, really outgoing. Grady who does like the art, he's got like a bit of a, a more nuanced way about him. And then we've got me and you, and we all know what me and you are like. We'll all bounce off of each other. It'll be brilliant. Make it happen. Callum or Grady, if you're listening. We'll have a great night together. I'll have a word at the training ground when I start. <laughs> oh, of course you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a word. This is what I'm expecting now you're on the inside. What, going for Nando's with players? Yeah. That's exactly what I want. <clears throat> I mean, I'll ask the question. <laughs> they can only say no. Imagine I walk in first day. Uh, Carl, great. What, 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 what are you doing on Friday? Fancy going for Nando's with uh, me and a local reporter. Uh, who are you? That's what I'd get. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Um, West Brom, Reading. Let's talk about that game. I know it's. Oh, we're on, it's, yeah. I know it's uh, this weekend. Third plays twentieth. Twentieth. Uh, can Albion start their? Not start the run. Keep get a run going. Yes, I sincerely hope so. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, twentieth in the table. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the financial turmoil really um, in recent years. Reading. Um, let's be honest, not 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 a great side um, at home at the Hawthorns. I think Albion made. I really think Coventry was like a statement win. It sounds like a bit early in the season to say. Don't know if it's early or late in the season to say statement win actually, but like it was, it was a proper Coventry was a proper, um, <clears throat> it was a proper statement win. It was because acid th- test. It, but they'd taken more points at home from any other side. Twenty three, they the brilliant home record, fly in um, in the championship. Look, they, it, we said before, didn't we? It's not a derby, um, but it's two West Midlands teams. Coventry would have gone above Albion in the table um, had they beaten them. Mm. Um, obviously, smash Fulham uh, at home this season, so they they would have been, they were going for that game. There's no doubt about it. I think Albion, <clears throat> I think it was a statement victory in front of four and a half thousand fans. They needed it after the run they'd been on. Um, and what was probably most pleasing about it was that we actually saw a bit of Val Ball again. Yeah, not a bit about Val Ball. We we saw Val Ball. Like you look at the stats from the game afterwards. I mean, it's something like Coventry had 500 passes to Albion's 200. Mm. Um, but there was never really any time in the game where Albion didn't have a foothold on it. Um, they were constantly winning the ball high, constantly getting into dangerous areas. The press was there. It was it was it was how Valerian Ishmael wants to play um, an out of possession team. Um, mm. But you watch the game and you never you don't really notice the possession because of how much control they have. Um, Reading's going to be a different story let's be honest they're going to follow the same pattern as everyone else has done at the Hawthorns not everyone else but the vast majority of teams have done at the Hawthorns this season they're going to come they're going to sit back probably 
Um, they're going to try and make it difficult. That's it. That, uh, as we've said, for a million teams this season, if they come away from a point with it, with the Hawthorns of a point, it's an mm. absolutely smashing result. Um, but they're not good. They're not a good side. They've got John Swift, who, let's be honest, um, is an outstanding footballer at this level. He's very, very, very gifted playmaker. Um, but there is a reason why um, he hasn't left Reading. Because ability-wise, on the ball, he's too good for them. Uh, but off the ball, there must be a reason. Off the ball, his work ethic, something isn't there for him to get that move. That's why he stays at Reading. Mm. Um They've, they've, got, they've got a real mismatch of a team. Mismatch of a team. Andy and Carroll, Danny Drinkwater, Alan Halilovic, Baba Rahman. Remember the Chelsea left back, Baba yeah, Rahman. Baba Rahman, mate, yeah. Um, so they have got a mismatch of a team. They've got Josh Lauren in the centre midfield. Um, yeah. Scott former, Dan. Former Shrewsbury player. Um, <clears throat> got the wonderful pus- name Puskas up front. Um, look, Andy Carroll, I've got to be honest, scares the life out of me. I, Ten years ago, when he was playing for England and Liverpool paying £30 million for him, I thought he was a world-beater. Um, he's one of the few players I've seen in my life that was is is genuinely unplayable mm. when, he's on, when he's on form. If you swing across into the box, he will win the header. It's as simple as that. There's just nothing... People, just people could not stop him. Um, but obviously, I mean, he, he's a crock, isn't he? Like, he's never fit. Yeah. Um, so look, Andy Carroll should give them a different dimension. If if he's anywhere near full fitness, it'll cause any team in this division major problems. Um, but Reading don't scare me in any way, shape, or form. What scares me the most is how they'll set up, um, <clears throat> which is very. I think that'd be very, very negative. Mm. Um, and uh, I think it'd be a case of. All go okay. If Albin can break them down. Who's that? Judah just walked in mid-recording. <laughs> oh, Judah, what's he like? She just said, all okay? Still going, mate? Uh, would yeah, you make any changes? Yeah, when you work for Albion, mate. I'll have a proper boss. Oh, I don't have to yeah. worry about interruptions like that. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, any changes for you? Taylor Gardner-Hickman. What happens there? I think he'll. I think he'll come out. Oh, that is gutting. Um, so putting the story out tomorrow, um, where Ishmael's actually clarified his Livermore comments. You know when he said Livermore is must skip a real play. Mm. He's actually said, "Oh, look, it's based on performance. Like he's not undroppable. Basically, I think that may. I mean, I wrote that story." Um, and Ishmael did say those words but I think that you have to like Ish- English isn't his first language I think that maybe has been lost in translation a little bit um, he's, don't get me wrong Ishmael loves Livermore um, he's very happy to have him as his captain um, he sees him as an integral part of the side but if Livermore's performances dip um, then he will come out of the side um, he's not an absolute he's not his place isn't guaranteed mm. uh, I think Livermore will come back in, personally, or Malumbi. Um And I think Gardner Hickman will continue to be eased in during the season. Mm. Um, he is only 19 at the end of the day. Um, but I just think he deserves his place. But he probably deserved his place after the whole game, didn't he? Yeah. 
and he came out then for Furlong. I thought Furlong had a good game at Coventry. I think he yeah. had a few, a few. He struggled the last couple of weeks, but um, I thought he was he was back at it at Coventry. So yeah, I think it'll probably be that team. I think it'll be yeah. I think it'll probably probably be unchanged with either Livermore or Malumbi for Gardner Hickman. That'll be yeah. my guess. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, right, we're, we're going on, so that will just about do us, Joe. Unless you've got anything you want to add to this week's episode. No, mate. No, nothing to add. Um, I'm sure you're going to be inundated with well wishes. Um, just yeah, I'll, I'll be putting out a tweet post once this is published. So we'll um, see. We'll see how many people are joyous that I'm leaving, and see how many people are sad about it. <laughs> we will miss you, my friend. We will miss you. You'll but see me every week. You don't need to worry. It's nice to watch you blossom like a flower. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, right, as always, that just about does us this episode. If you could like, uh, rate, and review this podcast on your preferred podcasting provider, that will do us a world of good. Uh, and as always, pass it on. If you happen to know an Albion fan who might not listen, uh, maybe they'll enjoy it as well. Uh, but from me, I'm from Joe. A fond farewell for now. Goodbye.